You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am Derek. I've got my buddy Ryan here. Hi. Hi. And today we are talking about the 2007 flick Next, starring Nicolas Cage, Julianne Moore, and Jessica Biel. So, lucky us. Lucky- <laughs> hey, look, I definitely had more fun with this one than the last one, Inconceivable. I definitely think it was a better movie, but I don't think I enjoyed it anymore necessarily. I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But Inconceivable, if you missed our last episode, Go listen to that one. But long story short, that movie was just dark and depressing. And this movie is and bad and, and bad. Yeah, and bad. But this one's at least not like dark and depressing the whole time. It had some fun stuff in it. Mm-hmm. You know, inconceivable was void of fun. This has some fun. Yeah, that's you know, true. A that's little bit. So this movie is brought to us by director Lee Tamahori, who has given us such, such gems as The Edge James Bond, Die Another Day, and Triple X, State of the Union. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think this is actually the first of his movies I've seen. So there you go. Well, this, that ties into my uh, first note, which is produced by Nicolas Cage. I saw that in the opening credits. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was just bound to happen right i mean he's got money he doesn't mind spending his money and he's in a lot of movies some of them have to be produced by him well i'm guessing it was like one of the stipulations of him doing the movie was in case it was actually good uh <laughs> and he he wanted to make he probably took a lower pay for the producer credit so that uh, if the movie was good he could make more money on the back end but who knows i mean that's fair and it made some money so it made 77 million worldwide in 2007 in 2007 yeah yeah which is just just over its budget yeah we're not gonna get too bogged down in the numbers but that's not a lot even (laughs) in 2007 it's not a lot all right so the premise for this movie a las vegas magician who can see into the future is pursued by fbi agents seeking to use his abilities to prevent a nuclear terrorist attack yeah which sounds like (laughs) something I don't know if you had seen my face when we rolled on the on that movie and I went and read the the uh, po- the potential plot of it. I was very excited because it sounds like a very like embrace the embrace the crazy side of cage type of movie. But I was sorely disappointed <laughs> that it was not that. Yeah, it had potential. The idea has potential. But where would you like to start? Well, I mean, I have notes that I take. If you've listened to this before, I, I have notes I take throughout the movie, and it kind of goes in a chronological order. Let's do it. The first one was produced by Nicolas Cage, which we already covered. <laughs> uh, the next one is that this movie opens in the exact same diner that was in It Could Happen to You. I'm pretty sure. No, I'm not actually sure of that, but it does look exactly like the diner. What? It doesn't look anything like that diner. It, it looks exactly the same. Not just even take close. my word for it. Not okay. even close. <laughs> okay, so that's my second note. We can just cover that. We both agree. So it looks exactly <laughs> like the diner. Uh, Frank Cadillac is my next note. I mean, I think that's a wonderful stage name. I mean, it's too good, though. That's the thing. Is like It's too good of a stage name for a Las Vegas magician? Yes. How so? Because it's so ridiculous. But that's the whole point. Right, right. But I mean, there has to be a level of believability. I think for the name, like you can't you can't be like, my name is Cosmosphere Paulson or something crazy like that. Like nobody's going to believe that. Frank Cadillac. Come on. How many people with the last name Cadillac do you know? I mean, I don't know any, but I also don't know any magicians. Could be I mean, very common. I don't know. That's true, I guess. I don't I know. I mean, he does explain it later that it's I a combination it. he, of his two favorite things. Frankenstein. Frankenstein and, and Cadillac. Yeah, Cadillac. But the, neither of those lead anywhere. He doesn't drive a Cadillac at any point in the movie. And there's no payoff for like why he loves Frankenstein. No, no. Like you would think they would have picked something that is a similar plot, like ties into the themes of the plot. Mm. But that does, that does not. Yeah, It's just a stupid ass name that, that they come up with. <laughs> Like, be more clever. It's a good stage name, but, like, 
I just wanted a little more depth to it, you know, like he got his love of Cadillacs because of something related to the plot or like Frankenstein, there's some relation to the Frankenstein character in the plot or something like that. You know what I mean? I mean, a little more clever. His character's real name is completely boring though. It's just Chris Johnson. Yeah. The most generic name I've ever heard in my life. Right now it does not have an H it's C R I S. So like Chris angel. I guess I don't know. I've never another seen magician. That's famous. So, oh, okay. I wonder where they got that name from. I didn't know that's how he spelled it. So there you go. That's, a, sure. that's exactly why then, if that's the case. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> What's My next, next note is that the car green screen is real bad. Oh really yeah. Bad. I real noticed that bad. Too. You think you think you think you think you think you know what bad green screen looks like in your head when you're listening to this podcast right now? You don't know what bad car green screen looks like until you've seen this movie. I mean, it is real, real bad. It is really bad, but I feel like you skipped ahead, right? That's after the whole casino scene, isn't it? Maybe. I mean, there was there was chunks of the movie where I didn't really have any notes that were that fun. Oh, see, I, I did want to talk about the casino a bit. There's there's two things I want to talk about. The first is when he goes out on stage to perform as Frank Cadillac and he does his little hands open thing. That's the cagiest moment we get in the movie. The it's whole, his yeah, face the whole movie. that they cut to. And it's a really awesome cage face. So I was like, oh, this is this is promising. OK, this is going to go somewhere. And then it, it, it doesn't. And it's really awkward. But that's then followed up by the real show of his power for the first real time. Like, yeah, he does a little act with the necklace falling, whatever. But once he goes into the casino, we learn that they're watching him and he gambles all the time. He's explaining his whole little spiel. And then there's the guy who's going to pull the guns out and kill people. And Nick, this is a thread that goes through the whole movie. Chris Johnson, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. But what I like about it is it shows how he can use the ability to his advantage when he's trying to get out of the casino without being caught. Right. He knows where everybody is, where all the pieces are. He knows where to duck, where to hide, where to move. And it just, I thought it was choreographed nicely. It was a very smooth segment. Yeah. I, I, I think that was an interesting way of showing his power, but it leads me into my problem with the entire plot. Uh Oh, and you, you'll probably agree because you get like really nitpicky on time travel and things like that too. So he has precognition. He can see two minutes into the future. And he says that every time he looks at the future, the future changes. Mm-hmm. So when he goes and changes the future, does that mean he's seeing like an infinite lot timeline of changes? Like he's his brain. It actually shows it later in the movie, which I'm sure we'll get to where it shows like each decision leads to three potential decisions. And then that leads to three mm-hmm. potential decisions for each of those. There's no way even the smartest person in the world could keep track of all these different things that are potentially going to happen and then do them in the right order. You know what I mean? So I agree 100%. The the main issue that I had with that is that time is still moving. So when he has these moments, right, like, is it instantaneous that he sees every possible future within two minutes? I would think it's, it, I would think it's like within like time is still moving forward so it's two minutes from each one so you're looking at like it, each one is like maybe a second or two in the future i don't know they don't really get into it but i that's a huge plot like hole in the movie i can barely remember what i had for breakfast most days and you know he's we're supposed to believe that this guy can like remember thou potentially hundreds and thousands of different outcomes that happen in two minutes and pick the right ones every time well and that in and of itself is problematic, but then by the end of the movie, and I know it kind of jumps ahead a bit, but yeah, let's not spoil the ending at this point. Well, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm just going to say that it certainly seems like he's seeing much farther than two minutes ahead. Right. But only when it's relating to this one girl, supposedly, like that's the way the plot sets it up. It doesn't always stick to that, but that's right. the way the plot sets it up. Is that when it's related to Jessica Beale's character, who's problematic, Liz in her Cooper. Own, right? Yeah. Um, that it, that he can see further ahead. And that's a lot of the plot is driving. Why, why can he do that? Why can he do that with this one girl? Why can he do that? Which I'll pe- say is also never really figured out. It's oh yeah. I mean, the payoff's great. Yeah. There's no payoff to that at all. You <laughs> never find out that problem is never solved. <laughs> all right. So, so we'll continue. So, we'll continue to talk about it. So bad yes. green screen in the car. Realistically, he should car. never make any mistake in this movie at all, but he does make mistakes in this movie. And it's not many. 
not many but that but also the thing is the way this movie shows it we should probably go over this is that like it will show him doing something as if it's in the next thing that happens in the movie and then rewind that yeah and have him do it another way and you don't know which way is the real way that it's happening and i really did not like that i thought it was clever but it did not like they should have found a different way to to get that same message across because all it did was make me trust nothing in the movie at all. And then I couldn't take it nearly as seriously as I probably should have. Well, <sighs> did you like that? Did you like the way of showing that? So we're not going to try and solve that problem. Right no, 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 now, no. I'm not going to try and solve it. No, no, no. I didn't mind it. I thought, I thought the way they showed his power was fine. I didn't really have any problems with that, but the problem that you just bring up where it makes you not trust the entire film. I mean, spoiler alert, but that's the point of yeah. the whole movie. Right, which is dumb as heck. which, like uh, it, by the end, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to it, but like that proves you're like it's almost like they knew you were going to feel that way, and that's the whole point. And they leaned into it, which was not yeah. the way to go. That oh, was the I, I wrong, that was completely the wrong way to go. But I just feel like it was on purpose. You're probably for, be- right. for better or worse. For yeah. worse would be the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely for worse. But hey, Peter Falk's in it for five yeah, minutes. That was interesting i mean i don't he he died a long time ago but i i thought but um, i guess this movie is older than i thought it was yeah i mean it's 15 years old at this point i do not know when peter falk died yeah i feel like it was a while back but i i guess i thought this movie was more modern than 2007 so but this was i would think probably one of his last movies um, uh 2011 so he was alive for four more years after, after probably this. didn't do a lot of movies in that time I would probably imagine. not yeah probably not my next note okay so here we go here we're moving the plot forward he steals a car after like stopping this guy with a gun and saying this guy was going to kill two people and obviously he's the one holding the gun so he's the one that gets in trouble so he runs out and steals a car and uh drives away and uh goes to his hideout and uh then we cut to julianne moore Mm-hmm. who i usually like as an actress uh evolution she was in that she played kind of a similar character in the sense that she was like a government person um and she was really great in that uh and then this movie i don't know what it was but she was not good in this movie at all maybe you'll disagree with me but i found her character to be really not not good i don't want to be too derogatory about it but she was not great I, I really liked Julianne Moore. Um, and when I was younger, I had like a huge crush on her too because of evolution. Uh, and so I've, I've been a fan of hers for a really long time. I feel like the problem was all of the federal agents were just written really poorly. Like, yeah, they were really not poorly. Like, so she's the only, she's seemingly the only woman in the FBI and everybody but her is completely incompetent. Yeah, like really bad at their jobs. And at the same time, she's trying to get all of these resources to find a guy who she a believes will see the future, which, yeah, I mean, let's face it. No one knows that this is true yet. So like, it sounds ridiculous. So I wouldn't believe that that was real either in, in the same position as these other agents. And so she's trying to convince her boss, whose name is Director Wisdom, by the way, <laughs> that she needs these resources to get the Las Vegas magician who can see the future. Yeah. And that's brought up a bunch of times. And every time I'm like, why are they letting her do this? So that's my next note. She, she asks for some time. They, they say that this nuke is missing, right? Is that what it was? It was a nuke, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. And so they, uh, they need to try and figure out where this nuke is and what they're going to do with it. Who, who has it? Um, and it's been gone for five weeks, I think at this point. They say, and uh, she's saying, well, I got this guy, the state the Vegas stage magician that can see the future. If you just give me time, I'll get him and he'll find the nuke somehow. Like this doesn't even make sense out of the context of the movie looking in, but she figures she, she, this is, this is the plot and they give her five days. All right. A nuke is missing. <laughs> it's been missing for five weeks. And they're like, oh, we'll give them her, give her another business week. <laughs> to get this figured out with a stage magician and then we're going to be taken care of what that's what i'm saying what? like the, the whole plot hinges on this and it's so fucking stupid the fbi is so bad at their jobs though because like her partner 
uh what's his name i'm drawing a blank on his name but her partner he like he's telling her that the like they found like some you know chemical residue or whatever and he's like yeah the chick who died probably is just taking pills she's like no the only reason to take this is radiation poisoning why is she the only one who knows that she's yeah. not like what where is everybody it's the fbi she's not going rogue she's working for the fbi yeah i agree and by the way we never find out why they want to blow up LA. Right. There's no motivation other than it's LA. <laughs> it's and LA. They need to blow it up for the movie. And they need to kill 8 million people. We have yeah. no idea why. But so some- we don't know if it's like a terrorist organization that's trying to like prove a message. It's just a bunch of like Russian people. But they're not all Russian. One dude's that's French. True. One that's dude's true. French. Another dude's British. It's an international like- <laughs> group of terrorists that <laughs> right? they all stand for this one thing, even though they're from different countries. Like the I, movie whatever ta- this one thing is, we don't know. The movie takes it as they're, they're Russian terrorists because, well, the nuke that was stolen was from Russia. And one guy is wearing a Soviet shirt. That's it. Everybody else is like from different countries. It's just, oh my God, there's no motivation. But they know about Cadillacs somehow. Right. They love Cadillacs. They they know about our friend Chris Johnson, but that's never explained either. Right. Yeah. How do they know about him? Well, they know that the FBI is chasing him, so but, he must be important. But why, how do they know the FBI is chasing him? Why Why do they know that Julianne Moore is the person to be watching? It's never shown. It's never There's explained. No, yeah, they never they never say anything about it, and we're just expected to buy into it. Whatever. Okay, so my next note, Julianne Moore shows up at the hideout. Yes. Peter Falk's and, uh, little laboratory. Yes, and this is another one of those scenes where it shows it one way and that's not really how it's happening, but she walks in and she leads this conversation with this Vegas stage magician that she needs him to find a nuclear warhead. Like that's in the first two sentences she says to him. Yeah. And in my mind, if you're an FBI agent, you want somebody to do something leading with nukes is probably like that needs to come a little bit further down the line. Once some trust has been established. <laughs> but she, that, that's the problem though. at no point. Is, does she care about trust? Well, because why does she? Why would she? She can just bully around this guy yeah. until he does what she wants, which she can't really because he knows every move and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't fully understand what's happening until later in the movie. Well, and that's part of the big issue, right? Is that in order for anybody to get anything accomplished that Chris Johnson doesn't want to have happen, he needs to make a mistake. Every right. time. Otherwise, yeah. it's just whatever he wants because he can see everything. Right. I think this next note is going to be in a lot of movies because it was also in my last our last review. Oh, interesting. Okay. His hair is crazy in this movie. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that one of the meme faces that you see a lot of Nick, Nick Cage is from this movie where his hair really? kind of looks like a bird. I don't know. I've that seen one. one where his hair kind of looks like a bird. If I see another one, I'm going to send it to you. But but uh, his hair looks when he's outside in this movie and his hair is like in the wind or whatever. It's like really weirdly yeah. shaped. It makes his head look huge. Uh, he, he looks kind of funny throughout the movie because like he's got this weird like angled walk that he does throughout most of the film. Yeah. Did you notice that? Like, I don't yeah, know if he got he hurt. made some weird choices in this movie. Yeah, maybe he got hurt or it's just a weird choice. But either way, yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, I'm not really sure. He's the kind of actor who would make that choice. But yes. he, he's also clearly running down that hill later by himself at some in some of those shots. Maybe he fell and got hurt. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, his hair crazy in this movie. Yeah. I think that's a di- little bit different note than the last movie. Inconceivable is just really bad. <laughs> right. This movie, it wasn't great. I wouldn't say it was bad, but it was just like a little out of control a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> so eventually he gets to this bar or to this diner. He's going there yes. every day at 8 a.m. or day. whatever. Twice a day. 8.09. 8, 8, 8.09 every day. and p.m. Yeah, because he doesn't know when it is. He just knows. Right. Even though it's, it's clearly like morning time outside, this bright lights and this vision, it's not dark at all. I guess he could live in a place where there's no darkness. I, I have to at least hope that in like February, he's not going at night. 
because there's no it, way but maybe it's like alaska where it's like 28 hours of daylight or 23 <laughs> hours of daylight. oh yeah they say that never mind yeah he's i don't know LA. No, it, well, he's in vegas clearly, well, he's in vegas vegas it's very clearly eight o'clock in the morning but for some reason he's still going at night uh anyway the girl that he's been seeing in this vision shows up yes and this is where his power gets very very problematic for me and manipulative i think maybe is a better word yes he it this this is another one of those scenes where it shows one thing and then it repeats and shows the thing a different way and then it shows a different way he goes through about five different scenarios of talking to this woman until he finds a way that essentially manipulates her into talking to him and feeling bad for him it's groundhog day yes it's the groundhog day power it is and in this movie i think it's a little worse because he like it's all very quickly repetition it's not like he's going through a full day and like figuring out other things along the way his one goal right at this moment is to make sure this woman talks to him and he clearly has eyes for her uh you know and so it, it i don't want to say rapey but it's definitely like manipulative oh yeah it's for sure up. yeah and and you, you get the feeling that he's done this many many times because he's running I, through several different like methods of manipulating the person. So actually I didn't get that. I assumed that he had been planning for this for so long because of the anomaly. Cause the whole idea here is that for some reason he can see her farther ahead than the two minutes, because who knows how long it's been that he's been going to this diner twice a day, every day. So in my mind, he had just been practicing. So he would be ready it didn't occur to me that he had done it with others. He had just been prepping. Well, I mean, he's kind of shown to be a little bit of a scumbag. Yeah. You know, early on in the movie where he's like, uh, oh, is this your daughter? And the, and the guy's like, no, it's my wife. And he's like, oh, why wouldn't it be? Welcome to Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And it's like. Which, by the way, is hilarious because Jessica Beale is 18 years younger than him. That was my next note. <laughs> Actually, no, that's two notes from now. Uh, he's it says 50 year old male lead 20 year old romantic interest trope I oh. hate that so much yeah yeah I hate it yeah. it's it uh, all it is is like the male power fantasy essentially of like always having a younger woman and it's really weird in this movie it's it's kind of creepy well their whole relationship is strange like I guess the whole movie once they meet we're only talking a couple of days go by well, it's very manipulative from the beginning and, well, on yes. his side. So yes. that that's not really a great basis as the viewer to know this. That's what their relationship is based on. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But they still like she's fine with it at the end of the day. When she, after she learns everything, she's fine with it. I mean, fine with what? When, when she learns that this is his ability and that he was using his that he's you know used his ability on her and that he you know the video that the FBI shows her was a real thing now he was stopping a bad guy but all that happened and she's still like okay what can i do to help right she's I mean, known him for 2 3 days but i mean we were all stupid when we were 18 so but she's not she's 25 oh i thought you said she was 18 she's 18 years younger than him oh 18 years younger than him okay 25 yeah She's Still, 25, but she, she's a teacher. She teaches on a Native American reservation. Right, they make her be the best person that you can imagine. She's like a teacher. She's just very sweet throughout the movie. She sees past like his manipulativeness and tries to still wants to be with him, which is more of like that male fantasy bullshit. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it, yeah, it was they made him kind of a scumbag and they made her like love him no matter what even after like her manip him manipulating her. I don't think she really like in this two or three day period or however much time after she learns that he has this power really thinks about like, well, maybe he like used that to manipulate me on our very first meeting into talking to him. And I would never talk to him otherwise, you know, cause that kind of changes the context for everything that follows. Well, I, I want to know why she doesn't believe the FBI agents. Like, yeah, we, we know that, agent ferris can't really be trusted yeah she's trying to stop the nuke but she's also doing it in some shady ways but liz doesn't know that liz just meets this fbi agent who shows a video of this dude she's known for like 72 hours and is like you need to help us take this guy down and she decides to side with the dude she doesn't know 
Yeah. It's a little, that whole thing is a little hard to buy into. Yeah. Cause it, it's I, the crux of the whole film. I, my next note is you're not a psycho question mark. Because I think they said, she said that you have to, uh, like, you better not be a psycho or I'm going to kick you out. Yeah, no psycho and, vibes. And then he's immediately like, she's like, I'm getting psycho vibes and doesn't kick him out. When she says, she says, the first time you get psycho vibes, you're you're walking or whatever. And yeah, then I think she immediately that, says, I, I'm getting those psycho vibes and doesn't kick him out. I assumed it was supposed to be a playful jab, but in the context of everything, it just isn't good. I guess. Yeah, I, I didn't really go for it. So they go to this for some, they have to establish how good of a person she is. Right. And how nice he is for like uh, having letting her fall in love with him. And <laughs> uh, so they go to this Native American reservation and, you know, she, it's showing how sweet she is with these kids. She's there on her day off just to bring a birthday present to this one kid. And he one of the kids is like, oh, I think he likes you. And she's like, why do you say that? And the kid's like, oh, because he looks at you like my daddy looks at my mommy. And then she looks over at him and he's giving like this really creepy look at her with like his hair's going crazy. And then like two seconds later, he walks over to this kid. He's like, you want to see a magic trick? And he does like this magic trick. And then afterwards for the birthday kid, afterwards, he like strokes this kid's face. Did you notice that? I missed that part. He like reaches out to the kid and like strokes their face. And there's a lot of weird touching from Nick Cage in this movie. Like, I, I think it was a character that. choice, but yeah, he reaches out and like touches, like rubs this kid's cheek. It's really weird. So my next note was, why did he touch that kid's face after the magic trick? Also post COVID, like touching people's faces is weirder. Well, yeah, they but, didn't know that though. That one, that no, one we can't I, I hold that. against. But them. I mean, still touching a kid's face is weird. Yeah, that yeah, that's know. weird. I don't, I don't even remember that. I must have missed it. Yeah, yeah. My next note is why is he driving her truck? Well, because they're going a long way. I assume they just took turns. And then she just happened to fall asleep on his shoulder. See, well, like, yeah, that was the thing. Yeah, if I if we have a long ways to go, and I pick you up, and I'm like, okay, I'll take you somewhere. I'm not letting that person drive my car. I've known him for like a day. They're not driving my car. I don't even know if they have a driver's license. He literally just stole a car. Well, she doesn't know that. She doesn't know that, but whatever. He's, I wouldn't let this guy that gives me psycho vibes drive my car. I don't think any rational person would, especially that thing was a pretty sweet old Land Cruiser. I'm not going to let anybody touch that thing. I understand where you're coming from, but of all the things that she does, that doesn't seem like anywhere near the top of the list. As a car guy, and maybe there's some car guys listening that that bothered me quite a bit. And then then uh, like it shows her leaning on his shoulders like, I'm sorry, did I drool on you? And like drools coming out of her mouth. And they're like, (laughs) I think it's supposed to be I think it's supposed to be an endearing moment. Like, oh, it's so cute. She drools in her sleep. But really, it's just like, why do we need to establish is this like a big character moment that I think it was su- drills in her sleep? No, I think it was supposed to just be that she's starting to trust him enough, you know, like after she's... seven hours of being. Yeah, I mean, the time is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense, but I think that's what they were trying to do. So after this is when like things started to get weird, like, well, the things were already weird with the power for me, like. But then I started thinking, like, is literally every conversation we're seeing him have in this movie, is it all premeditated? More it doesn't less. show it like rewinding and everything yeah. every time, but that that makes it much less interesting of a movie to me. If I know that every conversation is the best possible outcome he could get for what he was doing all the time. Well, that's his whole life, theoretically. Right. But that's not an interesting character. That's because fair. you know what I mean? You're seeing literally everything that is good and nothing that is bad because everything he's doing is the perfect thing to do in that situation in his mind. I mean, I don't know that it's the perfect thing to do, like attacking the guy in the casino. Like, yeah, he's, you know, he was doing the right thing, but it also blew his cover and sends him down this spiral or saving agent Ferris, you know, uh, get, gets him caught. Yeah, you know, um, so I don't know that it always is the best outcome, it's just the outcome he has chosen, right? Well, I mean, it's the best outcome in his mind for however many he has seen. There's not always a good, good way to handle every situation yeah, in life, period. That's but true. there is a best way in your mind, you know, going through the options. And his, in his, it's a very literal like he's going yeah. through, he sees every outcome. 
And I guess that comes back to that problem of, you know, how long does it take him to see all of these outcomes? Because, you know, two minutes is not a long period of time. And in some of these cases, you have to make a split section sec, second decision. So how long does it take him to perceive everything? Right. That matters in this story. And we don't ever find out. Yeah. Even seconds can matter in that amount of time. So. And it seems like it takes a while because towards the end when they're searching the yeah. building and he goes in like 80 different places, he's just finishing up when they get back. Right. So it does take some time. It has to take. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. It's, but that makes it way less interesting to me. And when I started thinking about that and I'm like, okay, that's, you can't really do or I don't think, I think you'd have to be really cognizant of what you're doing to make a movie about that kind of thing. Really good. And that's probably why I can't think of a movie that's had that kind of a plot. That's good because it's not an interesting character and you'd have to have somebody that's really clever with the writing to be able to do that. And whoever wrote this, no offense. It was not that clever. Maybe it's the editing. I don't know, but this movie did did not end up very good. So sorry if you're the writer, you're listening to this. (laughs) Uh, My next note is how did he not see the road closure coming? Uh, But that didn't end up really being anything other than the guy sends him to a hotel somewhere and it's kind of play, paid off, or they kind of explain it later when she goes and talk. When Julianne Moore's character goes and talks to this guy, and he says, uh, "I yeah, I talked to him," and she goes, "Oh, did he did he know that the road was closed and there's a hotel down the road?" And he's like, "Yeah, you said that exactly," or something like that. So there's a payoff there, but again, it it draws into question this whole power and like, well, that's the thing, right? So like theoretically, yeah, he saw it coming. But he also wanted to get to the motel with her. And the only way to get her to the motel in an innocent seeming way is to continue on as if he doesn't know. Because if he just says randomly, hey, we should stay the night in this hotel, she's not going to be into that. Right. Right. She's going to want to press on a more manipulative, like questionable stuff. Yeah, because it's all designed to make her, her trust him. Enough to at least have sex with her, possibly more. <laughs> I mean, I think he wants more, but yeah. I mean, that's that's where he wants to start, I imagine. Um, I then my next note was, are they sharing a ho- hotel room? That was written when they're like, he's like lighting a fire in the hotel room and everything. And it looks like he's going to stay. And then she immediately like makes a comment about him staying. And she says, oh, no, never. You know, are you staying here or whatever? And he says, no, I'm going to sleep in the truck. Okay. And so I wrote, never mind next to that. Um, <laughs> I did think it was interesting that, sh- that she has let, like, has him sleep in the car overnight and not like on the floor or the couch or whatever. Yeah. So she trusts him, but then she doesn't trust him. It's a very weird. It's I don't very know. strange. Now, the argument there could be that he also knows because it's with her, right? He can see farther ahead, whatever that means that he knows that she's going to notice that he's tossing and turning in the car and feel bad for him. So things will work out the next day. Yeah. Right. He's patient, right. Of everything else, he's still a patient person and he's playing the long game. Right. You know, to get this woman to have sex with him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And so in the next, I don't know if it's exactly the next scene, but in this next bit of scenes, there's a huge meeting in the FBI with all the FBI agents come together. They're like, (laughs) we've got to figure out where this nuke is at we got to figure it out. It's been five days. What do you got for me on this Vegas musician, this Vegas magician? And she says, we can stop this. I need all, any and all FBI resources dedicated to catching Frank Cadillac. Stop banging the table. Whatever. <laughs> Listen, our, our viewer, our listeners love knowing how passionate I am. You're very passionate about this. I did the same thing on our last podcast. So you're just gonna have to deal with it. But, uh, yeah, any and all resources to catch this Vegas magician. <laughs> it was like, this is the most ridiculous thing that I've been expected to believe in a movie in a long time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I wrote down any and all resources to capture Vegas magician. I think I wrote musician, but magician is what I meant by that. I'm editing my notes right now. It's bad. I mean, like the whole FBI piece is bad. They look completely incompetent. And I don't think that that's what the goal was. And I don't think they were trying to like make a dig at the agency, some type of commentary, but they were just written like they were complete morons. Yeah. Like they need the entire power of the FBI to catch this one guy. 
to catch this one guy so they can catch these other people. Right. Cause somehow he's going to be able to use his two minute power to know where the nuke is and where it's going to go off. Cause, cause they're going to be able to evacuate everybody in two minutes. Well, know? that's what makes things even worse is that she only ends up being right because Liz has this weird exception in Chris's abilities. If that wasn't the case, then Ferris spends all this time and resources to catch a guy who can't even do it. Yeah. Because if they didn't kidnap that woman, then. Then nothing, nothing nothing. happens. Yeah. Yeah. He can't do anything. Yeah. So yeah, that's a whole thing. Which ties into the end of the movie that we will talk about then because it makes zero sense. Yeah. Uh, My next note says walking out in a towel. Really? Question mark. Because they're at the hotel or at the hotel or this is a really nice hotel. It looks like it was like a log cabin. It wasn't really a hotel. It was like they rented a cabin or something. Yeah, that was unclear. Yeah. She walks out of this of the shower with this guy she's known for less than 24 hours in a towel. And then he starts like ogling her and she's like, what? What are you looking at? And he's like, beauty is in the eye of the rose and that rose touches your skin. Or something like that, <laughs> and she's and then he makes a mat does a magic trick to make a rose appear, which would immediately make any other girl in the world instantly drier than the Sahara Desert. But now she's like ready for it, and then they do they do the deed. Yeah, I mean you you've got twenty five year old Jessica Biel, so you have to have the obligatory she's very attractive scene. Yeah, right. You paid her. You better use her body too. Right, of course, and yeah, and then they make out. And he does slip up a little bit because he jumps ahead to see how that's going to go. And he comments on it out loud before it actually happens. Right. But I think he did that on purpose. You think? Yeah. I think it was like, I'm going to tell her anyway. And because he's expecting her to ask why, but instead she, or how, but instead she just like tongue, tongue bathes him after that. And you know, it's going to town. But yeah, I had the walking out of the towel. And then the next note is rapey vibes from this power. This is when I started, like it was manipulative to that point. But then like it starts to be a little more serious because how many different uh, things did he play through? Different situations did he play through to get to the one where she sleeps with him? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's super uncomfortable like to think about. I mean, manipulation is pretty trashy and horrible in real life let alone if you have the power to manipulate, you might as well have a mind control power at that point because you're trying every situation before it happens to make sure that you get exactly what you want out of the situation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I did not like that whole thing. And again, because there was like this huge age difference, it was really distracting and like not great. No, it's bad. Yeah. (laughs) My next note is lots of unnecessary touchings from Mr. Caddy. Cause like, so first he touches that kid's face, but then he like touches her shoulder weirdly and like unnecessarily. There's just several scenes where he like randomly touches people in a way where you're like, why is he touching this person? (laughs) Nothing that's happening in the scene calls for touching. Fair enough. Anyway, it bothered me. Maybe it didn't bother you. I didn't really notice that. That I didn't really notice, but that's fair. So they sleep together. Yes. They make love. You know, we know because they wake up in bed under the sheets and you know i will say you know nick cage looked pretty good man like good 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 on you dude you take care of yourself oh yeah yeah he's always taking pretty good care of himself unless it was for a role right what i'm saying is like he had he had some shirtless scenes in this movie and it was like okay nice for your age especially you're looking pretty good mr cage yeah he's a fit magician yes he's a magician that works out a lot (laughs) but only the minimum amount because he knows exactly how much he needs to work exactly out to, to get the perfect body yeah, yeah. <laughs> my next note is every kiss is cringy every kiss between him and uh jessica beale is super cringy and that note shout out to my girlfriend who that note came from and i agree with it was so cringy every time they kiss is like it's like watching like a weird aunt kiss like the weird uncle and you're just like why do why am i looking at this this is not comfortable to watch well and it was made even worse when she comes back from meeting with the fbi 
Right. And she knows that he's a sociopath and whatever else. And she has to kind of go along with it and pretend, but she's totally freaked out. And it's just, and he doesn't know that. So he keeps advancing because, you know, they've already slept together. So he recently, thinks, yeah. Yeah. So he thinks they're in the clear, which again creates a whole bunch of other problems about what his powers allow him to see or not see. Right. Especially because of the end of the freaking movie. Yeah. So she she tries to drug him at the direction of the FBI, and he's like he he he's like what's wrong? And she's like she tells him everything immediately because she can't lie to this guy that she's known for a day. It's impossible. She loves him, and uh, so he like tries to trick the FBI into thinking that he drank it. He walks outside with the cup and like makes a big show of it, and eventually this like ends up as like him running from the FBI. Right, like he's they're like, don't do it, don't do it. And it's then a great chase scene. Jumps <laughs> off the ledge and like starts running down this giant hill. So wherever yeah. I don't I, like, I don't know what the goal was. The it's motel like, is built on a cliff for some reason. Yeah, he, he just starts running down this cliff, and this is where we get some of our best scenes in the movie. Oh man, I I, mean, think, I hope you know what I'm about to say. My next note is that bullet dodge. <laughs> there's like a sniper it shows like one of these russian or french or whatever terrorists <laughs> russian with a sniper french. rifle uh like like aimed right at him and then it shows him turn around and like look directly into the scope from like a mile away mm-hmm. and this guy takes a shot right at his chest and he does a super dramatic over dramatic like dodge move to get out of the way of the bullet once it's fired <laughs> it's amazing and then <laughs> So at some point her truck gets like taken off by a chain off the edge of this cliff. No, 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 no. She, do, she, she drives she it. it. Yeah. yeah. So he writes this letter to her and he's like, wait 45 seconds and then read this. I don't know why she can't read it before then, but whatever. And yeah, so she's supposed to launch her truck off the cliff. Yeah. Because and it's so, going to take down all these logs that are set up for some reason. Which are really w- good CGI. And a train. <laughs> Yes, a train so engine. The next part of this scene that's wonderful is when this truck is rolling and rolling and rolling down the hill. He does this the most flamboyant dodge I've ever seen, where he like throws his hand up in the air and like dives down underneath this truck as it's flipping. And the CGI, keep in mind, the CGI in this scene is like top notch 2007 CGI. The logs rolling down the hill are all. May, are all like CG effects. Yep. The the truck rolling down the hill is CG. Everything is CG, and it looks real bad. As the, bad as like the green screen driving. Dude, the the train engine was yeah. the worst by far. I don't know. I thought the logs were worse, but maybe the logs went by so fast that it didn't seem as bad because this engine is just crashing down the over on top of people, and it just looked so fake and flat and weightless. It was yeah. bad. Yeah. CGI logs is my next note because so at this point, like he gets to the bottom of this hill and he gets to spend like two minutes with Julianne Moore's character and they're having a discussion. She's like, are you just going to let me die? And he has to like figure out whether he wants her to die and he wants to run or whatever. It's supposed to be this big, like, I guess, redemption scene or something where he like dives on her and covers her from the logs, you know, the terrible CGI logs hitting and crushing her and then somehow he goes unconscious during this so this this goes back to when we covered it could happen to you right where there's a lot of shitty characters and they have and he's the hero so they have to make him look like at least he's not one of the worst characters right and so they have him throughout this movie periodically do a good deed that forces him to sacrifice part of his plan to show yeah. that he's really a good person, right? He attacks the shooter in the casino, even though it's going to you know, force him to be on the run. He's going to save Asian Ferris, even though it's going to result in him being captured because he's really this good person who's just caught up in all this nonsense. Right. He was just trying to make a living by taking advantage of the casinos. 
I don't care about that. That's fine. Whatever. Um, You're not going to get any sympathy for me there. I, <laughs> I don't remember what happened in between the CGI logs and what happened or my next note. Well, so he gets, so to answer your question, he gets knocked out because I guess he takes like the brunt a of the log, log the hit, which is a little confusing because you'd think if he really got hit by them, that would have killed him. But uh, you know, whatever, we don't really know. Yeah. So he gets, he gets captured. They, they Here's the best part. He's knocked unconscious. He could have like a back injury or a neck injury or something. And they just lift this dude up on the side of the crushed car. And like, Hey, smack him in the face. Smack, smack, smack. Hey, wake up. We got stuff to do. Yeah. Well, I think that's the first thing you learn when you're learning about first aid is that you definitely move the person that's injured around yeah, you want as to much as you can. Up. Yeah. You yeah, don't you want, want to shake them cool around. Down. Yeah. Um, to, if, if you see somebody injured in the in real world, definitely pick them up and shake them around. And, and if the EMTs ask you why you did that, you can just reference Nick Cage taught you that yeah. at his, in his movies and they'll understand immediately. Um, yeah, he gets captured and he goes to jail and then he manipulates his way out of, out of this FBI holding cell and he's running away from the FBI. And this is when my next note comes in. Why is he running in the middle of the street? Because he never like cuts down an alley or anything. When he's running away, he's literally running down the middle of the street where there's cars and like a helicopter chasing him. And he never leaves the middle of the street. He just stays in the middle of the street, keeps running there. Well, cause he's not trying to, he's not trying to evade the FBI and get away. He's trying just to make it to well, yeah, I guess Liz. we missed a couple of things. So while he's in the FBI, they yeah. like strap him to a chair and like give him this weird apparatus. Clockwork orange. It's open. all clockwork orange style. Yeah. I don't know what the point of that was. Cause it's never shown that he needs to have his eye open. The eyes open to see. Well, kind of so I think, I think the thought process is that it has to directly impact him. Right. And be part of his consciousness in order for him to perceive it. So how can he do that? If he has his eyes closed and can't hear the TV. I think it was like probably what she was thinking. She because she doesn't know how it works. It just seemed dumb to me. Yeah, it was, but she doesn't understand what's happening. So he's watching the news and like he randomly, even though she, I don't really know understand how it gets to this point, but he eventually sees enough connections that he sees his the love of his life uh getting strapped to a chair in the middle, or not even in the middle, on the top of a parking garage and getting exploded. Yep. over and over again and there's no way he can fix this in his mind he's running through all these scenarios so when he runs away he's basically trying to lead the fbi to this parking garage so that he can try and manipulate the situation to his benefit right and save her yep so then my next note says what happened to two minutes That's because the a lot of a lot of this stuff is not i mean it only has to do with her like in a, like a third or fourth degree i mean so here's here's what it really comes down to it has to do with the reset, the big reset that happens at the end of the movie, because it all the idea here is it's all about her because he fails. So she dies. So from that moment, when he opens his eyes in that bed, from that point forward, the whole thing is one long attempt. Yeah, the whole thing, which is hours upon hours, maybe even a day's worth of time. That's unclear. Right. Right. But we know it's several hours at a minimum. Because right. he still has to do his big plan, get captured, get, you know, escape, find the parking garage. Then they have to do the whole thing at the dock. Like all that has to happen. So it's because she dies at the end. That's why. It makes zero sense, but that's the explanation. Yeah. So, yes, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll dig into that <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> Essentially, like they set up this plan with the FBI to get her back and he figures it all out right what he needs to do and he's kind of a jerk about it too he's a huge dick to everybody involved he's talking to these counter-terrorist guys and like these SWAT team guys I mean I don't know their actual roles but they're like FBI dudes with big guns and armor and he's like basically telling them to F off he knows better right they're like well tactically this makes more sense he's like fuck you you're we're gonna do this instead you want to stay alive listen to me yeah exactly I'll save your life yeah yeah so the van comes in and and they go the fbi goes hog wild and he's directing them and what, what the funniest part of this to me was that the fbi is shooting at this van constantly even though they know there's an innocent person in there that's covered in explosives yep. they're like fuck it we're just gonna shoot the hell out of this van and potentially blow up this innocent person and nick cage isn't stopping them no he even instructs them at one point to basically blow up the van 
So I guess I guess in his mind, he's already seen it happen and knows they won't blow up the van. Yeah, that's what even though like be. even though I, so every you know if somebody changes one millimeter of their bullet, you know does he see like every potential millimeter that they could be moving in any one of the you know what I mean? He like, sees every outcome. He's the Doctor Strange of this universe. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. So at this point. Let's, we'll get into the ending now. At this point, it's like the this was all a dream ending. That is the worst. I was ending so for pissed, movies. man. I was so pissed. It goes back to all the way back to just after they made love. Yeah, and and he wakes up in the bed. And he wakes up in the bed, having seen all the because this they, is what forty minutes of movie, thirty minutes of movie. It's a like huge that. chunk of the film. It's almost the entire third act of the movie. Right, and, like we go through the whole thing. They they flip the van. She tries to escape. They're searching this whole complex. He does his little split apart thing where there's like fifty of them checking different levels, which I did think was kind of neat. It was a cool effect. I thought it was a cool way of showing his powers. I would rather them do that way than like the replay way that they did. Yeah, the movie. I agree. I think that was definitely the right way to do it. Uh, it probably just cost more, but I, I like that. Even though the time makes no sense and it clearly is taking him a while to accomplish it, but that's because she's involved, right? And they go through all of this. I really love the, the the segment where the guy's got, you know, the guy's got her. He's got the phone in his hands or whatever. And Chris just kind of walks towards him. And you see each iteration of him that gets shot kind of falling. It was very like Matrix-esque. And I just thought it was really well done. I thought that was really cool. And I'm like, okay, this movie's going to end strong. Like, yeah, it's had some missteps. But we're going to end strong. Right. And then... I like I pause it right as they open the, the case where the nuke is supposed to be and we find out it's missing and I, I you know come back and I'm like all right let's let's finish this up this is gonna be great and then the bomb goes off and they all die and it resets yes what were you saying about this movie not being depressing I didn't say it wasn't depressing. I said the whole, it had fun moments is what I said. And I just explained what one of those were. Like that was a really cool segment of him, you know, trying to save her. And, but like the bomb goes off, everybody dies. He's like, Oh, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And Ferris is like, what, what do you mean? And then the bomb goes off and they all die. And then it resets right back to them in bed at the motel. Yeah. And I, I literally said, what the fuck? I wrote, I wrote down <laughs> all the way back to coitus. Come on. I'm sitting alone in my basement watching this movie and I out loud go, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So then he like walks outside after making love to his uh, friend. His sweetie. That he's known for 24 hours, actually less at this point. Uh, <laughs> and he like makes a deal with Julianne Moore and then the movie ends. And so my last note is that's it? Question mark. Yeah. Because I felt like I just wasted my entire life. Well, I... it's the last hour and a half. I was so I was just kind of frozen there for a minute because so you know it resets he, he tells her that he has to go and she's like will you be back and he's like it might be a week could be a month but if you're willing to wait you know I'll find you which he says earlier in the movie yeah so it's supposed to be like threads or whatever and yeah he, Julianne Morris is waiting for him because he calls her and cut the credits and oh ooh, the credits they roll in the other direction yeah that's the end of the movie and you're and like that, what i was like there's got to be a post credit scene or something or like this isn't the real credits it's the fake credits because they're gonna try and do something clever mechanically no that's the end of the fucking movie yeah it was mm. so it, so i mean we, we we don't know why the nuke is stolen we don't know if they're caught we don't know if the nuke goes off. We don't know who survives and who dies. We don't know who's successful. And we don't even know if Chris and Lizzie end up together. We know. And nothing. we don't know why he was seeing her. No idea. We don't know why his powers are different because of her. Right. We, we literally, we end the movie with zero answers. Yeah. Sometimes movies leave things open-ended. I sure. get it. You want a sequel. This has zero answers. Yeah. I would have been better if they had just blown up LA the first time and they all just died. So like inconceivable was not good, No, but it, at least it finished the story. Yeah. It had a finite and ending. It wrapped everything up, whether that, whether those were good endings or not, it did end. Yes. 
And this movie was bad, but bad in a different way <laughs> than, different <laughs> than inconceivable. <laughs> like they were both pretty similarly bad. But yes, there was it was different. I feel like the more I think about it, so we're going to be rating the movie and putting it on our grapho cage or whatever we're calling it. Uh, our cageo meter. Our cageo meter. We're going to be putting it on that. And I think there's going to be a lot of movies. There's going to be like a very distinct circle in the yeah. middle of where like probably 70% of his movies or more fall. And Probably. then the, the outliers are going to be the ones you want to watch on either end. Yeah. Uh, on all the corners. Yep. Um, which will be interesting. I'm actually really looking forward to that day when we have, you know, a hundred movies on there and we can see, Oh yeah. Like if somebody's asking what, well, what Nick Cage movies should I watch? We'll be able to be like, Oh, look at these. You any know, of just these. Like yeah, yeah. Any of these are good choices depending on what your mood is. Right. right? Because, because there's going to be four different moods. Basically. Are you in the mood for lots of cage? Good movie. Lots of cage, cheesy movie, you know, like that kind of thing. Anyway, I, we're kind I of love, off topic. Well, I love a good B movie. I do. I love a good B movie. These are just like bad movies. They're not right. fun bad. They're bad bad. Yeah, this had a couple of moments like the scene I mentioned where it was like, oh, that was cool. And that was it. And this is a short movie, too. It's only like an hour and a half. Yeah, which isn't really that short. I mean, that's about an average length for a movie, but not not nowadays. But no, in 2007, most movies were around an hour and a half. It's short as far as the movies we've talked about so far. Sure. But it just, oh man, I'm, I was so mad that that's how the movie ended. I just sat there. I watched the whole credits thinking like maybe something's coming. Oh, I didn't watch the whole credits. I was like, nope. I was, oh, if there's man. an actor after credit scene, then I don't, I'm not interested in it. I was so like, mad. Derek will bring it up tomorrow if, uh, if there's an after credit scene. So yeah. So that, that's the movie. All right, let's rate it. We learned nothing. So, so yeah, so that's it. So we have, we call our cage O meter and on it, we have two basic metrics, the quality of the film. Uh, We have a a 20 point scale because we're going to have over a hundred movies here and we don't want them to bunch up too much. So zero being the worst movie you could possibly imagine 20 being the greatest movie you could possibly imagine. And then we have the caginess scale. So zero being completely straight, like, you know, level, not cheesy over the top at all. 20 being the craziest cagiest character that he's ever portrayed or could ever portray. So on those scales, let's go with quality first on a 20 point scale, Ryan, where are you putting this one? Do you want me to remind you where Inconceivable was? I do, yeah. Okay. So Inconceivable, which arguably is the, the only other like bad movie that we've, we've talked about so far. Thus far, yeah. Thus far. We gave it a five on the quality scale between the two of us. Okay. I mean, I want to give it higher, but like the effects were real bad the effects were real bad like the movie i i'll I'll probably put it like at six it was probably a little better than inconceivable i think i enjoyed it a little bit more but uh it was not good and that's fair i think i think that's totally fair i think six like on my gut i feel like a six but i gave inconceivable a six and now i'm having buyer's remorse and i feel like i didn't rate inconceivable low enough so i'm going to give this a seven because it is just it is better than inconceivable i would rather watch next than inconceivable if i had to pick those two movies mm, right? i pick death <laughs> but you're Sorry. strapped to a chair with your eyes open you know oh, God. well then i will just force my brain to die so i'm going to do a seven so i give this a six and a half right there for is that our first half score for quality no no oh, okay it's not uh, into the spider verse had halves on both scales. Gotcha. So, so, all right. Now the caginess for the caginess, where would you put it? I mean, there was like one or two minutes or two minutes, so like one or two moments of caginess. So it was more than like inconceivable. Where do we put inconceivable on the caginess? We gave it a six. Okay. Seems a little high, but uh i don't know i would probably put it around the same level as inconceivable because inconceivable there's like one really cagey scene in this movie there was like one really cagey scene the only one i can think of other than that was like when he was looking at her after doing the magic or before he did the magic trick of the reservation and like the kids like that's how my dad looks at my mom and is like super creepy the way he's looking at her 
Um, so, you know, I would say maybe a seven. Okay. You're gonna but even seven. that feels generous. Six, six or seven, somewhere in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it a seven as well. Um, because I think it's basically the same. I'm giving it the same score I did for inconceivable inconceivable. It's all like in one scene and inconceivable, but it's a little more in that one scene. So a seven, so a six and a half on the quality, a seven on the caginess, which puts it just barely above inconceivable, which are, are the only two films we've done so far that are single digits in both in those two categories. So, so there you go. So then next up, we have our wheel, our wheel o cage that determines what movie we're going to talk about next. It has 18 movies on it, and we need to find which movie is going to replace next. So we've got a wheel that we spin to determine the episode, but we have a computer to determine what gets added to the wheel. So I'm going to go ahead and run the computer here. And the movie that will be joining the wheel of cage is Dying of the Light. Well, that sounds like it's going to be a really high quality movie. Dying of the Light. And that movie, I mean, off the top of my head, I don't remember. There it is. 2014. Dying of the Light. When a devastating illness threatens to end Evan Lake's career in the CIA, he goes rogue to hunt down a terrorist who tortured him during a mission gone awry years ago. Which it has Anton Yelchin in it. So that's interesting. That'll be a little sad. Yeah, I haven't watched him in quite some time. Um, so um, just to be clear, that isn't the next movie right. we're watching necessarily. I, we got to be careful when we go into these descriptions, but there's not the next movie we're watching necessarily. It could be, but we're going to be spinning the wheel cage. We'll post it on our social media, what the next movie is. So keep an eye there. It could be any of the movies on our, on our wheel. Um, so That's yeah. Right. There's 18 movies on that wheel. So the way this works is we release a new episode every other Monday and the alternating Mondays is when we spin the wheel. So you'll have to wait and see what that is. You can go to comingofcage.com to find all of our social media, all of our videos, all of our episodes, all of that good stuff, including our cage meter that shows where we're plotting all of these movies as we talk about them. Ryan, is there anything else you would like to say about next? Don't watch it agreed all right everybody well we will be back in two weeks thanks for listening we'll catch you next time